Pros know a thing or two about how to get the toughest messes clean. That's why they've long trusted cleaning products from Ecolab for their businesses. And now that level of clean is available for your home at the Home Depot. Introducing Ecolab Scientific Clean, a full line of pro-grade cleaning products for all your home's needs. So you can clean like you mean business. Now available exclusively at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, it's Craig G here from Revolution Radio. This is just a quick reminder. Can you do us a favor and hit the subscribe button? You'll get notified every time we upload a brand new episode of Canadian AF so you won't miss any. Also, if you could rate us, it helps us out tremendously. Thanks for listening to Revolution Radio and enjoy this podcast. But to be honest with you, we're not doing that tonight. Normally I have like to scream. We, <laughs> well, I'm freaking out because we have Gordon Depp here hanging out we with do. us. Well, you can, you, can add, you can add whatever you want later, right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Put in a song. I don't care. What have you on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll play some Honeymoon Suite. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it says right now we are live. We are live yes. on right our. Are we? <laughs> yeah, we are. We're live. So uh, let's get this thing going, shall we? Let's get the show on the road. My name is DJ Craig G, alongside Derek uh, Lewis. Awesome guy. We at in, we'll introduce him every single week. Wonderful, wonderful fella. And underneath, mm-hmm. filling in for Dimitri tonight. Uh, Dimitri has to uh, has to work this evening. So uh, our man Brian Hogue from Conduit Burlington's Conduit is filling in for uh dimitri this evening now it is our extreme pleasure to welcome to the program revolution radio's new bestie gordon depp from spoons Woo! Woo! Yeah! 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 yeah everybody met yeah we also that just sounds like you're in pain yeah, yeah. <laughs> there could be somebody in pain. Yeah, that was. They are. They are. <laughs> so uh, th- again, Gordon, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. We've got so much stuff to uh, to cover here okay. as far as things go. So what we're going to do is just get right into the program. Let's spin a track here for me. You know, this is my introduction, as I was telling you uh, off the air. This is my introduction to this incredible band, a band called Spoons, fronted by Gordon Depp. This is called Romantic Traffic, Canadian AF, episode 41, right here. And it's on Revolution Radio Canada. Losing him 
One of the trippiest things for me about hearing that song at this point in time was I was telling uh, Gordon uh, before the program and also mentioning to him on in the email, the initial email where I uh, basically reached out to him and asked him, could you do us a huge favor and join us on Revolution Radio? Uh, Canadian AF, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, and he just very politely said yes. And, and um, hearing that song for me, this is a, a, it is a real trip because I used to hear Martin Streak talk up to the vocal post of Romantic Traffic when we would throw that song down. So for me, it's just like, this is crazy, kind of a crazy thing because it's all kind of come full circle for me. Do you know what I mean? Like in a weird, in a weird sort of way, because um, I remember playing that song in the nightclub at the Velvet Underground, pulling down the pot so Martin could say, you know, here's the spoons, Romantic Traffic, or he wouldn't say the, he would say spoons, Uh, spoons, Romantic Traffic, uh, you know, CFNY 102.1 and Spear of the Edge. And then the voice that comes in is you. So it's like, you know, like he would talk up to your vocal post. And, and yeah, like, that uh, was kind of a thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like just if, if, they were so yeah, he was. The song came right in. There was yeah. no time to talk, was there? So yeah. you had to leave that little space just for that. Right? Exactly. Way, yeah. look at this. I just happened oh. to look over there, the guitar from the video right there. Oh, my was, God. Uh, I haven't played it for years. It was actually sitting in the corner as you were playing that. So I oh, grabbed Gordon. it just to play right in the video. We're going to talk guitars tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We honestly, we've got. Who's from Burlington? Which one of you guys is from Burlington? Uh, Brian is. Brian's from Burlington. I was. I I used to work at Long McQuaid. Okay, but this goes even back further. The first, one of the first music stores in town was called The Sound Shop, which was on Plains Road. And that's where I got this as a kid in 74. Nice. Wow. Also on the Novart video. Is that, is that, uh, is that a Les Paul? Yeah, Les Paul Custom. It is a Les Paul. 74, it's 20th anniversary. Oh. 74 Customs have a really weird thing. Like Edges Customs are 74 is the white one. I think Strummer or one of those guys from Clash or something, one of these bands, are, so Sex Pistols, they're all around the, that, the era, which is not really a vintage thing for Les Pauls, but it is kind of, I guess we can all afford them or something. We're all starting out. Yeah. So that, that's kind of a cool, iconic guitar. There it is. Gorgeous. Unbelievable. Yay. That is so cool. <laughs> so, okay, listen, I mean, if that's the case, do you mind if we jump back to the mid-70s in Burlington when you guys yeah. for, for, uh, formed? Was it Aldershot High School in uh, in Burlington? That's yeah. what it was called? Uh, if I that's may. Uh, yo. Oh, okay, cool. That's so there was. Went. Yeah. Nice. Um, notable alumni, Melanie Booth, Canadian women's soccer player, Josh Bradford, Kyle Burns, a director, uh, Jim Carrey, an actor. Who's that? Uh, Rob McIsaac, Chris Schultz, a football player, Brett Wickens, yeah. a creative director, founding member of the band Spoons, and um, another fellow by the name of Gordon Depp. So. Uh, yeah, it was a very talented school. Yeah. And. Um, uh, we, we had a proper theater, which a lot of schools don't have. You know, like we had a not just a gym to play. We had a theater with seats and aisles and and uh, and curtains, you know, <laughs> to cut our teeth on. And I remember doing uh, Christmas assembly or talent shows. And Sandy, this is before the spoon. Sandy, you know, we did a little song with our band. I think it was called Impulse at the time. Mm-hmm. Where Trist was another one of progressive Trist. rock family had. Trist was yeah, and then man, then man. Jim Carrey would come on and do his little thing, and I say, "What an idiot! Who's this guy?" Right? <laughs> he, was, he was he was more insane, you know, especially for a kid. And that kind of humor wasn't really, you know, mainstream. It, it, it wasn't around, yeah, for sure. Nobody had seen anything no. like that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he would do stuff like his impersonation of, of bacon. He's just falling on the stage and wriggling around and makes, you know, sizzling sounds. And, yeah. <laughs> but to Fantastic. a bunch of kids, that's hilarious. It oh, is. Yeah. It is, absolutely. I'm trying to laugh. His, his other impersonation, I, I know we're going off t- topic here, but he, um, this, this, if you know what this is, it will be, will be a, of a certain vintage, but he, he would come out in the yellow turtleneck, put it over his knees so they were sort of sticking out of his turtleneck and get down like, and just sort of walk with the knees coming out of his shirt as the living bra. So, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I don't Again, the bra. hilarious. Was the 70s, I think. Yeah, Jim yeah. Carrey, boy. Oh, that's interesting. But again, again, hilarious. Yeah, I look at him definitely. now. Yeah, and yeah, look at him now. Yeah, he's he's kind of made a little bit of dough. So, yeah. Gordon, what were some of your earliest influences? Because I always have to ask singer-songwriters, uh, what were some of your, your um, earliest childhood influences? Well, well, well way back oh geez man uh, i mean we had all kinds of music around the house you know people always said well what did, what did your parents play my mom was playing stuff like you know elvis engelbert humperdinck that kind of stuff so i was like yeah whatever i was always drawn to the more dark stuff you know like even watching stuff like you know saturday night not saturday night live it was uh, midnight special and mm-hmm. um what's the other one rock concert don kirshner's rock concert oh yes yeah i was always sure. drawn to the darker stuff i would wait for like i don't know like Sabbath or Bowie to come on. It's like a quirky theatrical, you know, who's the Harvey band from, from England. They're called was it Paul Harvey band or Steve Harvey band. Anyways, very theatrical and kind of out there. I, I wasn't interested in, in the, in the birds or the, or I should say the Eagles or beach boys or that kind of stuff. I want to see the edgier stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I got a little older, um, when sort of prog rock was introduced to me, I, that I was converted to that because the darkness, the theatrical sort of, and if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, you know, the Spoons music that came later on, because it is kind of dramatic and almost like soundtrack, you know, work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were there some any Canadian bands that were on the circuit at that time that would have influenced you guys, if you can recall? Um, I remember liking stuff like old Max Webster, you know, yeah. it was a little out there, you know, they mm-hmm. had the early stuff, it was really kind of quirky. Yeah, I like that. Um I, I think the first record I ever got was uh, Guess Who record. Somebody gave it to me. It was way too nice for me. So the first record I bought was Alice Cooper, I think. Billion nice. Dollar Babies. But yeah, so, yeah, I, mean, I can't really remember what was going on in Canada at the time. I think whoever played our high school, and meant back then having bands at your high school was a big deal, right? Yeah. People still did that. So whoever came to your high school was like your favorite new band, right? You know, when you're a kid, mm-hmm. you see a movie, that was the best movie I ever saw. And then so same with bands, right? It would be Gatto or... Max Webster or ever Crowbar played our high school. Okay, wow, uh, wow, Crowbar, Hamilton, Crowbar, of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, stuff like that. You know, so whoever came around, they were they were gods. You know, yeah. So I do actually have a question for you. So I think early spoons history has been very well documented but i did have a question for you and then open it up to the other boys because i know we've all got a bazillion questions for you i believe it was 1982 you guys played it was the end of middle of august or end of august you guys played the second police picnic do you have any memories of that the only reason i ask is because an old friend an old friend of mine uh danny brown who's a, just a killer drummer in toronto he was at that show he remembers seeing you guys being completely blown away by spoons thinking you guys were fantastic and then i oh, think great. he said it was a flock of seagulls and then yeah. english beat 
and all he said was he remembers uh, ranking Roger and Dave Wakeling coming out and running across the stage. And I think it's Everett Morton, the drummer, sits down and does that. Right at the beginning of of Mirror in the Bathroom, right? So he's like, you have to understand, you go from Spoons to Flock of Seagulls to English Beat to the police. He's yeah, like, and Talking Heads in there as well. Talking, oh, my God, Talking Heads was yeah. there as well. And that was, the, that was the cool thing about the 80s. You know, it was the variety. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, not, now you go, no, I don't want to simplify her, but for a while, especially in the 90s, and I don't know, it was like every band you on Queen Street would be the same kind of shoegazy kind of thing, right? But back in the 80s, you walked down Queen Street, there'd be like a ska band in one room, you know, like at the Bamboo or something. And then there'd be like a techno gothy band in another room then the next room would be like a hair band and the next room would be you know just the variety was was phenomenal and and anything was possible and that's i think why a band like us even had a shot because like i said sandy and i were raised on sort of prog rock sort of theatrical stuff which you know wasn't really mainstream never never thought we'd get played right yeah. but when new wave came on stuff like um you know, I was listening to stuff like the Flying Lizards and the Normal, like Warm Leatherettes, and you yeah. know, that kind of. It's a little dark, and then you know, Simple Minds then came, and and Ultra Box, and those kind of things. And I think, wait a second, we got a shot at this mm-hmm. just by taking some of those tools that we already have, like Taurus bass pedals. You know, that's something left over from the '80s, and the same synthesizers and things. We could maybe fit into this, you know. Mm-hmm. And our first drum machine before the, even the 808 came out, you know, which is the the sound of drum machine. We just used the old home organ. You know, our keyboard player, Brett Wickens at the time, you mentioned his name. Yeah. His mom's home organ. We would record segments off that, like the cha-cha and the fox-trotter. <laughs> <laughs> Put that onto a, a little um, uh, cassette recorder. And I remember starting a stop with my foot. I had it beside my pedal, so I would start. And sometimes you're going to go, and then get going, and that was our yeah, first drum machine. <laughs> Unbelievable. Awesome. Like, it's yeah. just, it's incredible to hear the stories of early technology and how you guys managed to, you know, and, maneuver around that things. That was the best. You that know? was the best. You know, that's why and bands like, all, you know, like, um, ba- or, I'm going to say Bauhaus, but um, Kraftwerk is so revered because it was all, like, man-made. Like, those sounds were not, you know, taken off a computer somewhere. They created those by putting wires in a box and, and yeah you know so um i i kind of missed that time you know when it was very creative it wasn't all like nowadays you can get any sound off you know software or something you know back then we had to make those sounds yeah yeah boys the floor is open oh before if i may if i may really quickly um do you remember who would have gotten back in touch with you uh gordon back in the day from cfny to say um you know you guys are going to be starting to be played at the time of course it was called uh, spirit of radio um and it, would it would have been like your management that would have been contacted or did did somebody from the station well, the thing is, we knew we knew david marsden way back okay even before he was at cfm yeah, i think he was yeah. still a chum or i don't know where he was but he, he judged us at a battle of the bands this was the band before the spoons i think impulse whatever and i wasn't even a singer in that band it was a cover band we did a couple of my originals and it was actually in the edge of Oakville in Burlington. Burl Oak, he's not got some field and had a battle of the bands, and he was one of the judges. And I think we came in second, which upset a lot of people because Sandy was like a 15-year-old bass player. We're a bunch of kids, you know? Yeah. And we, uh, you know, and I remember Dave Marston saying to us at that point, he says, I'm going to be seeing you guys again. 
And he did a few times through our careers. And I remember him playing something of ours off the Stick Figure Neighborhood record, which was a pre Arias record that really had no nothing radio friendly on it. Nothing. We didn't care. You know, we were stubborn kids. We wouldn't make our record. And who cares about radio? Prog rock. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was like prog rock. At that time, we were turned on to, you know, the 80s. So, like, you know, it's got a bit of Nina Hagen, a bit of Talking Heads vibe, very sort of angular and suburban, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I remember him playing a song off of that. And that was the first time I remember being played on CFNY. It was a song called Only for Athletes, which Sandy sings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that thing. Oh, you know, but again, it was no chance that we were ever going to get proper radio play because it was so obscure and weird. We, people forget that when we started out, we were considered alternative and in, indie, you know. And mm-hmm. that's why our first um, really success was on college radio. We were number one on college radio. Because we were so weird, <laughs> it was. This is a prog band. It's this new wave. What is it? And we, we were in Burlington. We only went to Toronto when we had to go to Toronto. Right. So we were disconnected from the scene there. Really, what was going on with other bands? We didn't try to sound like anybody else. We just sort of had our own little cocoon, and you know, love it or hate it, we were pretty original. I think we love. We love it. We love it. Yeah, I've honestly, uh, spoons for me. Is like a public utility. You know what I mean? It's like it's just one of those things. Like you guys always need to be around. It's one okay. of those things. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know what? Because I tell you, I'm one of the biggest self doubters in the world. And all through those years, every time we put a record out, I said, "Wow, why doesn't it sound as good as I don't know, like Glass Tiger or Platinum Blonde?" Same with videos because they had the big production of this. And now when I look back and and hear you know all our stuff on Boom or whatever who's playing it, or, and Dave's go play stuff on his shows and. And I go, you know what? Those bands kind of had the same sounds because they had all the big production gated snare and this key, this thing, you know, super expensive keyboard that we couldn't afford. Yeah. But we were back in Burlington with kind of like craft work with the stuff we sort of threw together, and especially in the early years. And it for that reason, it stayed original. It doesn't sort of get mixed in. I think people know right away when they hear a spoon song. They you know, do. It's got this certain thing. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I won't deny that later on in the '80s, when working with Nile Rodgers stuff, it became a bit more slick and mainstream and stuff. But I think I never let a song be played as a single where I wouldn't go like, "You got to tell that's a spoon song," like, right, almost off the bat, you know? Yeah, you can't have the generic big intro that sounds like every other '80s band. Yeah, yeah. A mix I always used to do was uh, arias and symphonies into um, uh, Blue Peter, "Don't Walk Past." Uh-huh. They just they work they just work perfectly with each other and they beat. It's so funny you mention these names because you're probably going to ask me about you know I'm, I've been a guitar player with Flock Seagulls for the last five years mm-hmm. and we you're talking about the police picnic and that's where we first met. Not I've got a great photo after to send it to you of uh, Flock and the Spoons together. Oh, and it's funny because oh, I'm on one that. side of the photo. We already said two words to each other, but I'm at one side of the photo. My score, the singer, is on the other side, and the rest of the <laughs> bands are in the middle. And he's looking over at me kind of make an eye contact with me and poor Paul the original guitar player right in the middle like he was only 15 at the time or something Paul Reynolds Paul that, Reynolds right? yeah 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 Yeah. 40 years later we'd be working together you know, like it was, it's very crazy but you mentioned all these names like Rankin Rogers stuff like we just did the last 80s tour in the US and he was in that tour and I became friends with them I forgot he was even on the bill you know like with the, the English beats and then of course the flock guys and all these people that I grew up listening to now I'm doing tours with so backstage I'm kind of one of them but I'm also still kind of like a fanboy like hey, you know <laughs> whether it's Boy George or Susan Hoff, you know Hoff from the Bangles or whatever you know it's like uh, yeah 
I could talk to you for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Well, I like talking about the, the, the not the so yeah. obvious stuff. I'm so glad you can say, well, how about you get the name of the spoons? You yeah. know, like stuff like that. It's yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave that to, I'm sure that's yeah. been asked a bazillion times. So I'm sorry, Derek. Well, there's my, quest- there's down my down question. There's my question gone. Derek's question's gone. Yeah. My question's gone. Yeah. So, okay. So you the show right there. There's the whole show right there. Um, you you're playing. You've been playing with with Flock of Seagulls for the last five years. Were you, yeah. Did you, you? So you played the Corey Hart show in, at the AC, in Toronto. At, at, yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Ah, amazing. So I've seen you play. Done. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of a weird spot to be on there. We were kind of early. It was a last minute thing because they needed to sell some more tickets, or something. But we did a bigger show with them. Yeah. Uh, same weekend out the what's it called the Festival de Tay or something in in Quebec City. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this before? It's the biggest festival I've ever seen in my life. I think by the end of the night, there were 90,000 people there. They've had Gabriel there. They've had Paul McCartney. It's a huge thing, right? And, and for people outside of Quebec, they don't even know about this thing. It's, and it's probably the best run festival I've ever played. Even Mike, who's done, he did the US Festival. They didn't do Live Aid, but they did the, the US Festival, which is very large, too. He, he was like blown away by what the He didn't expect that. A little Quebec City, you know? Wow, that's amazing. Wow. Amazing. Can Super you stop cool. stealing my lines? <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, yeah, um, I tour with them quite a bit, which is good because with the way it's been the last couple of years with COVID and all this stuff, it's luckily been sort of bounced out. Things kind of locked down there. I was busy in the States and then it kind of went the other way for a while. And then we played more with the spoons. And sometimes we do both together. You know, we, have, mm-hmm. oh, we really? did a little runs where it's flocks. Um, Spoons and men without hats or whatever. You know, and they, all I do is go backstage, change my shirt, my guitar, and go back out. Nobody notices. Fantastic. The only other oh. uh, person I've known that did that was Trent Reznor with David Bowie when Nine Inch Nails oh, really? was Nine Inch Nails was Bowie's backing band. Yeah. Oh, so wow, they, that's yeah. Cool. So they opened for Bowie and then Bowie came out and Trent changed his shirt and went back out. Yeah. So oh, sorry, wow. sorry, Derek. Yeah. yeah so, you, so, so Gordon, you worked with um, you worked with John Punter. Mm-hmm. How was that? Great because because um, he's super fun. We came from the music that I loved, you know, like yeah, in Japan and um, Roxy music, Roxy music, yeah. And, <laughs> and you kind of you if you know the early, you know, early Japan, you know, like uh, adolescence of, of Adoles- sex, adolescent oh, sex and quiet sex, life yeah. and all that great. I mean, stuff. They were very oh. raw, very raw and punky and stuff. Yeah, I gotta compare that to our stick figure neighborhood record. Mm-hmm. going to the Aria's record, just this big transformation into this big, pompous, kind of very sophisticated sound, which is what they wanted. They wanted to sound more like Roxy Music, and and he brought that to them. That 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 was, to a lot of people, kind of the point where we began to exist. You know, that The stick figure thing was like our, you know, that awesome playtime, goof around. <laughs> I remember going to see or Custom Maneuvers in the Dark in a little bar in Hamilton, it uh, used to be a strip joint called the Brass Rail, and it became the Bannisters, I think. And I saw yeah. OMD play there, and I was, like, stunned how beautiful. You know, they kind of do what we were doing with the drum machines and and um, synthesizers, but I realized, you know, let's drop the whole talking heads kind of quirky thing. Let's become more grand and, and kind of what we grew up on, the, the prog rock thing, like, you know, very sort of lush and lots of keyboards. And next morning, swear to God, it wasn't i'm not exaggerating i went home i got rob's keyboard and i wrote nova heart like that morning 15 minutes or something oh and a couple man, other songs that ended up being on the hours record i was just i'm not even a keyboard player i just went 
uh, whatever, da, 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 you know, just fiddling around. And it was definitely just like it came from um, not knowing my instrument. <laughs> it was just, just channeling something, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the energy of that show. No, it's incredible. And it's funny, we end up becoming friends with those guys and touring with them for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. it's funny how one thing led to another. Like, I remember going to record that the Arias record, which came out of out of that, and Sting liking us at the police picnic and getting assigned to AM Records. And that was funny. Like I'm saying, one thing leads to another. And when, while we were in England, the big deal with Boy George, and I remember our hairdressers at the time, which is which used, which, uh, huge in the 80s. I'm, I mean, our hairdressers House got credits on the album. They get, they, if you look at Arias Symphonies on the back, there's a credit for the hairdresser. <laughs> like, <laughs> was, that's how, that's how demented what, things were, right? Was that House remember, of Lords? Yeah, I remember going to London, England. Um, this is like 81, 82, to record the Aries record. And Boy George was the big thing at the time. And, and our hairdressers were tr- trying to, they're also our stylists, right? And that who has stuff like that back then. So they were going around trying to find someone, his clothes. He had this sort of tribal, you remember Bow Wow Wow and that whole kind of aesthetic. I can't really describe it. But they're trying to find the clothes, and they never tracked it down. They even went to um, Vivian Westwood's place, you know, like the, just on, on King's Road there. And that. But anyways, all of a sudden, we got the call. Oh, you're opening for, for Culture Club in the next tour. I said, like, what? We just had to think about their shirts, and suddenly we're on their tour. It's like, what? Wow. You know, it's just uh, just the, the, the train of thought that, and, and how things materialize is really – there were a couple of years like that. It was just like that. We just had to think about it, and kind of happened. Yeah. Whether we deserve it or not. It's like, okay, so <laughs> – so we just—it was a kind of a whirlwind time where, um, you know, these kids from Burlington were just catapulted into this weird world. You know? And it seemed like a, a few of you were like you and Images in Vogue, um, Blue Peter, you know, a few other yep. bands around that time. Like you guys Absolutely. seemed yeah, yeah. to be kind of whisked from place to place to place. Like there was always—it's like looking up spoons on Google. You can see posters upon posters upon posters of like, you know, uh, such and such featuring spoons or BWs, you know, I guess that means backed with spoons or whatever, right? And and it's it's well, you it must have been an bands, incredible like, time. Well, I think it's because of stations like CFMY FM, because we were really lucky. And to us that was reality. That was yeah, our school. That was um to me that was mainstream radio. Uh, the rest of Canada, most of America was still listening to the Beach Boys and and you know the Eagles, that kind of thing. Stuff that just I didn't interest us, yeah. Totally. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were, I, we would like be fed on the stuff, you know, the two way army, and we, you know, then this and that. Like, oh my god, like it just every day was exciting that was being played. I see it from mine. I think the states didn't have that. Maybe K Rock a little bit mm-hmm. down in California. Mm-hmm. And there's another story too. I, I'm not friends with with, the, with Richard Blade, who does a lot of the hosting of the shows. We when we do big shows like the Greek Theories, like the host of the show and. And so I remember the Spoons. He played us back in the 80s. And he said one year he voted Nova Heart as one of the top 10 songs that year. Like, And now I'm like, you know, at shows with him like many years later. And it's just wonderful that the full circle that, you know, that happens when you stick in it long enough, you don't give up, you know. Yeah. There's so many times we could easily have just packed it in, you know. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the 80s when grunge came and all that, you know, that, that was the end as far as most people were concerned, really. That's when the gate came down. Yeah. Yeah, something. I remember, I mean, I kept going, guys. I was a guitar player, so yeah. it was the keyboard players hit rock bottom, right? The keyboard players are gone. <laughs> yeah. So, what do we do? We have no purpose. Yeah. yeah. So I was kind of, 
I didn't care. I was into bands. I yeah. was into like the whole Manchester sound and guitar bands. And then I started writing stuff like that. But you know what people told me? Because hmm. I saw, sent some demos out. They were, they said, these are really good. But one suggestion, don't mention the spoon. Just put it in a plain brown envelope and just don't say anything about it. Really? Anything to do with the 80s, you know? Wow. It was like that. Yeah, yeah it was like. Yeah, that's an amazing. It's a. It's, uh, that happened to me. I remember many years ago. I'm. I'm. Ju- I just turned fifty. So I remember many years ago when I was in high school, and someone had said, "There's this brand new record coming out by Depeche Mode, and I think it's called Violator, if I'm not mistaken." And then bands like Spoons would come up in conversation, and people would be like, "Can you believe Arias and Symphonies is five years old already?" <laughs> And I'm like, I'm, and now I'm like, it's over 30 years old. And like, I, I think About 40, yeah. yeah, yeah. 40 years now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now. And I, I remember being a disc jockey and I started cutting my teeth in the early nineties in 1993 being a DJ and playing spoons at that time. It was like, this is a decade old. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I, it's I just, it's, it's amazing. Like. <laughs> you know? It's such a cliche, but where did the time go? I have no idea. Yeah. Like, and the craziest thing is I still feel like a kid when I go and play. I, I've not become jaded or tired of playing those songs. When I play with the Spoons or Flock, I'm like every night I've got that little buzz of going on stage. And yeah. like, I still play go. guitar every morning. Yeah. Like yeah. That's my, how I get yeah. started. I, I kickstart my day with a cup of coffee, put the news on, I got my guitar, and I just... Yep like christmas every morning you know yeah. i think we all yeah. stopped aging at around like 26 somewhere yeah. around <laughs> yeah, well, like, that's that's mentally, it even yeah. mentally even earlier i think that's important yeah yeah to not mature mentally that's yeah, for sure <laughs> that'll kill you every time brian yeah <laughs> oh yeah i've got oh my god i i wrote down a bunch of a bunch of questions okay so I first met you in 1990-91. I opened up for you uh, at Cl- it was Club 2000, which later became Nashville North. Uh, oh yeah, and- I, can't, I remember that place. Yeah, we played there like that? once. Yeah, I yeah. remember this big ca- cavernous place. I said, "What? Did- this was a huge place in the middle of nowhere." Really, in yeah, it was Norval, in right? Norval. Norval. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I opened that show for you. Oh, cool. Um, and that that was the first time, like, kind of like meeting, you know, like anybody of, you know, any notoriety. So I was a little bit starstruck. Um, but, uh, you guys, I mean, you guys were incredible, like incredibly sweet and just, you know, generous. And it's so, so again, it's so way future, future, like a a future. Thank you for that. So it was a very shaping moment for me. Um, then the last time I saw you, because as I mentioned before, I used to work at uh, L&M in Burlington. Yeah, yeah. So you and I would make small talk all the time or whatever, you know, I'd That's sell funny, you guitar huh? strings or whatever it was. But the last time I saw you uh, was at Derek Giles' house uh, a few years ago, maybe about three, four years ago, uh, uh, Sasha and Emily's wedding. Oh God, man, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Now, to, to the other gentleman, this was like the encyclopedia of like 80s new wave bands, right? So you guys performed that night, didn't you? Well, I remember it had a 70s uh, theme, yeah, right? We, oh, we're all yeah, dressed up like Woodstock or something. Exactly. Right? Yeah, we were all dressed up like hippies and Woodstock and the whole thing. Yeah, there was a, there was a house band there and he... They said, would you come up? Because Sandy was there as well, I think. Would yeah. you come up and do a couple of songs? And we just used the house band, you know. People say, 
you know, somebody's house. You know, nobody knows Derek's house. It's like a spread, right? He's got yeah, a field yeah, yeah. with a full stage set up, and it, it was pretty well liquid stuff. <laughs> it, <was laughs> it totally was. It was, it was awesome. probably the best best party I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, but yeah, great. it's like you know, like Strange Advance is there, Images in, is there, you guys are there. You remember Sasha? Me mentioned Sasha. He used to play with Button Blonde as well. That's right. right. And he's uh, the drummer in in my band. Oh, cool. And uh, so I've also got some a couple of questions from him that I've written down. So I'll get to those in oh, a little dude. bit. Is he but, still waiting uh, for his wedding present? Is that the deal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I just showed up. I played a song. Come on. That's, that's right. No, that's he, that's he, wedding present enough. He does send his love, though. I, I will, I will yeah. mention that. Oh, they're, uh, they're a great couple. I love them. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, one thing that, that I was I was going to ask you because you know again I've been in your presence a bunch of times but we've never had the opportunity like to speak and I've, I've there's questions that I want to ask so I remember at that show that we played in ninety ninety one uh, Sandy Horn performed Julie Cruz's is it falling is that is that the song it was from Twin Peaks. Oh, you know what? I think we did that a couple of times because Twin Peaks was so big at the time. Right. And I discovered the tremolo on my amp that I could get that down, down, down. I don't know why we missed something. It was bang on. It was bang on. It was just a great moment. Yeah. So uh, now, you know, what? it was a wonderful cover. Like she performed it, actually, the entire band performed it incredibly. And I, it's still a moment that's like it's burned into my psyche. Wow, I wish I had a recording of that. Wow. It was be- it was absolutely beautiful. Now you guys just released um, a like a covers record called Echoes in 2021, and on that you had I mean it's the who's who of you know you've got Gowan, uh, Alan Frew from Glass Tiger. Uh, uh, Concan, Strange Advance, like just doing like all, covers of all of your songs. Yeah. So here's a question for you: What song, like, have you you know covered that you've just loved, or is there something that you have always wanted to recreate, but within you know, like in your own voice? Well, there's a, I mean, there was a time when um, like when I thought the '80s was over. And like so, the beginning of the '90s, where I kept making, you know, writing new stuff. But I, I, I wanted to keep playing, so I put had this little band together, and we would do a couple of spoon songs, not too many, a couple of my new originals, and then I'd pick some sort of quirky, cool covers that I felt comfortable singing. I wasn't going to sing "Sweet Caroline" or you know, <laughs> or, you know Eye Girl" or ba, whatever like that. Ba, ba, no Mustang Sally or anything like that. So I would pick really kind of obscure stuff, which most people wouldn't care about. But the, I remember there's one that. I still like to sing that it fit my range and stuff. And people were like, that sounded like it was you. And it was, again, it wasn't a song that everybody would know, but I almost thought, you know, did a re-recording. It was that song by the church under the Milky Way. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. That was a song Man. that oh, I could you really sound great, great on that. Yeah. I've done, great track. I've recorded the, there's a song that I considered, you know, I'm, um, Stuff like that, you know. I love Echo and the Bunnymen. You know, it looks like sugar. Like you sugar. would, you yeah, would yeah, sound, you like would that. sound amazing on the Killing 100%. Moon, Gordon. I'm telling you, do the Killing Moon. You would sound amazing. Yeah, see that. I, I love that range of voice and uh, yeah, this, you know, stuff like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do Hungry Like the Wolf or something like that. 
<laughs> it's got to be a little quirky. Yeah. Well, speaking of your voice, it's like I, I definitely want to pay you a compliment because your voice has always been so distinctive mm-hmm. and like just just absolutely lush. So, you know, from like one vocalist to another, it's like I, I, I truly admire the vocals that you've done. So, again, oh, thank you so oh, much. Thank it's, you. It's I don't been consider a, huge, a great singer, but I, I appreciate that you, you think it's original. That's, that's really important to me. Like, you have I, a, I don't want to hear like the yeah. voice singers. I want to hear. That's what the '80s was about. You have an right. incredibly original. That's what sound. the '80s was. I mean, there's nobody else who sounded like the guy from you know from from um, Echo the Bunnyman, or who sounded like the guy from Psychedelic Furs, or the guy. They were so distinct, you know that. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of like it's almost like it's you know you're not in the club unless you kind of sound like the same guy that. Does the voice on, on the voice or on Merrick's talent? They all kind of aim for that same pocket, you know. That yeah, where back I, then it was all over the place, you know. I can was, assu- uh, I can assure you that you have a very unique and original voice because when yeah. we used to spin your tunes in the club, we would try and throw our voice because, like myself, Martin, and our technical producer, we'd all be sitting there going, "She's changing," late. like and we would, and <laughs> we would try to, yeah, you know, no. we would try to sound like you, and it's like, no, nobody sound, nobody sounds like Gordep, no one. So, yeah, no, honestly, no, I, I'd always do the whoa woes, right? I always put the whoa woes in there. For yeah, the, yeah. They would run around <laughs> out of lyrics. That's what I did. Well, that's, that's, that's all, you know, go back to the to romantic traffic. But that was really um, not Rogers who produced that. But his biggest contribution to that song, talking about. Things like whoa, whoa, and that dude, dude, dude section. I was actually frantically trying to write lyrics for that part, but he said, "No, nope, stop. Just keep the dude, dudes." I was just singing that as filler until I figured out oh, the words. Oh, that's horrible. cool. It could have been like you know, that, you know, I can't even imagine putting a sentence in there, right? Yeah. So uh, luckily, he stopped me there. Working with Nile must have been pretty damn cool, I'll bet. Yeah, it was kind of not what I wanted to do, to tell you the truth. Working, you mentioned uh, Jump Hunter, that, that was right down my alley. Right? With yeah. The stuff he'd done from England, and he just done the Reflex. Remember that song, Politics of Dancing, Politics and that stuff? Dancing, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I just love that sound. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. we're signed to AM Records, and they said, Well, we want you to, this guy, Nod Rogers, you know, like, what? That's like funk music. And yeah. at that point, he'd done like Donna Summers. Um, Sheik, of course, you know, he'd written a lot of songs. Diana Ross, but that he whole... he was just yeah. working with Bowie. He was just working with Bowie doing the Let's Dance record. He said, well, I like Bowie. So yeah. that was actually... I found it later on was kind of the turning point of his career when he got into more sort of mainstream, more quirky stuff. He worked with Deborah Harry and with um, Mick Jagger and Duran Duran and, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. You know? Was that now the power... he's like the new Quincy Jones, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Was that the power station you recorded at, or...? When we did Nova Heart at, um, uh, not Nova Heart, we're talking about um, the Talkback album, we started in Toronto at uh, Sounds Interchange. That was a pretty big studio. Um, We started there, finished it at the power station, and he said, if we work together again, I want to do the whole thing here. And then we did. We went did um, the Romantic Traffic Tunnel Lies EP there. Mm -hmm. And we still are the only Canadian band he's ever produced, which is pretty cool. That... Yeah, it's kick ass. And I don't know if I've heard the story probably a million times how, how we first met, but we were opening for Culture Club in New York City at the Palladium. He was there to see Culture Club. And uh, anyways, there's a knock at the door, and our, our road manager said, oh, somebody wants to see it, opens up. There's not a Rogers and Sting. Awesome. And they, they, they come in to tell us how much they liked us. 
And we're like, uh, you know, actually, we weren't even that phased. I think at the time you're kind of like, whatever, but like, like 40 years later, say, oh my God, like, you know, Sting and, and Lyle Rogers came backstage. And wow. as it turned out, he was there supposed to be producing um, Culture Club. He said, uh, and he told this story, and I have it on, on video because I went to see him about five years ago at the amphitheater playing with Duran Duran. He, was, he had done the records and he was touring with Sheik and Duran. And I met him there and he told everybody the story after the show. But he said, yeah, I met Gordius, you know, we did this thing. And I went to see Culture Club and I, and I was like, yeah, you know. And this band comes on I've never seen before, The Spoons. And this is one of the best um, compliments I've ever had in my career. And this, it's a one word compliment, what Nile Rogers said about us. He said, yeah, Duran Duran, I didn't really feel it. And then The Spoons came on and they were the shit. That's that's when you take your take your microphone and you drop it. Drop it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Unless you said we were shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that's what happened. No. Again, I think you luckily because what he's been doing, I mean, he could have easily just gone for something really nowadays they go for the the, the easy sell, right? The mm-hmm. the cute artist and the really predictable love songs and but he saw something really different and quirky and then he appreciated it like you know i like that right so we made it i have to say old emotions you know was the one single off the talk back record but a lot of that was kind of quirky still we still had remnants of the aria's progressive thing going on you know like weird but then when we got to um town lies money traffic we pretty well we're you know we're about as mainstream american as we're ever going to get <laughs> yeah dude awesome Awesome. We can ramble so for days. Honestly, yeah. Seriously, yeah. I know. Brian, I think you probably still had uh, some. He's got a guitar question. Yeah, he Brian does have a guitar, guitar question oh, for you. I've got, I've got lots of, lots of questions. Lots of, lots of questions. Well, okay. So one of the things that um, that I noticed with you know, like Spoon's music, uh, you know, myself, you know, being like first instrument is guitar, uh, but working in like a kind of an industrial kind of outfit is fitting guitars into an electronic landscape. And you've been so successful at doing that and, and have created like the, some of the most memorable and like lyrical guitar parts that just blend into it. Like, is there, is there any kind of method to your madness or is it, like, you notice that because that was, it wasn't really a, the way you know, Rob and I played off each other's friends those old days. I we played very few chords. Mm. I very I played very few chords. It's, and same with Sandy. It was really like there was a keyboard melody going on, and then a little guitar melody, almost like a little bass melody. You get this counterpoint going on. Counterpoints. Like, keyboard's going da 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 going down da 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 and it's It's like it's almost like very um. Not very rock and roll, really. You know, like Irish symphony. If you strip it down, it's it's a musical. It's a yeah. you know, it's a work. Like it's got twenty thousand chords in it. And it's got all these parts, and I think maybe because of our progressive rock background, I think it came out right. of there. And Rob Proust was classically trained on the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just different mentality, and I, I always tell people like our music came less out of R and B or you know that kind of roots, more out of Wagner, out of you know, out of Kraftwerk, or yeah, I mean, because it's like all of your parts do this. It's like they're they're not fighting; they they all come come together and you know create that. Song of many traffic, 
yeah, we're getting really, really um, kind of more poppy, you know, whatever. But even in there, the, I'm not really playing chords until the chorus, but there's this little kind of two-note strange little things going on with a, mm -hmm. with a G hanging all the way through it. So I always try to come up with little alternate ways of playing chords, you know. Yeah, nice. Most of the chords I play on my guitar just are usually two notes, using mm -hmm. as many open strings as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I play with somebody, you know, a guitar band, you see, it sounds like there's two guitars, because I always try to have open notes, like, mixed in, right. you know, like, in yep. so soloing even, you know. So that's why I, I appreciate you talking about the textural thing and finding your spot. I, I admire guys like Johnny Marr, what, you know, that, but it's kind of oh. playing and, 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 and then the guys from that, you know, from our time, like there's so many people who did exactly that. Charlie Birchall from Simple Minds is a master. Oh, of that just, kind of oh, so yeah. sonically, just a wonderful. Yeah. Person. I completely agree with you. He's, he's one yeah, of my favorites. But yeah. all those guys, I don't know what's his name from, um, Bauhaus, I mean, even in his. Oh, uh, Daniel uh, Ash. Ash, you know, Daniel Ash, yeah. you know, what he did with other bands like Tones of Tail and mm -hmm. yeah, Love and Rockets, Rockets yeah. you know, very smart, yeah. but just the right notes, right? You yeah. say he's back with the BB King mentality. He doesn't noodle up a thousand notes. He'll play three notes better than anybody. You know, we yeah. can do with those yeah. very simple parts is, is mm -hmm. so, so important. Very well, cool. just, just, just why I like playing with Black Seagulls, you know, I'm, people say like oh it sounds so amazing i'll make a joke yeah, you know all three notes that i have to play but it was yeah. beautiful it's just that uh the you know the space age love song you know minor over major change it's like oh my god it's just magic and you remember that more than you know brian a hundred percent brian yeah yeah brian you you touched on that for me sorry i, I don't mean to interrupt but brian sure. literally single-handedly just touched on that for me there was two bands that i thought brilliantly meshed the the keyboard thing and and the guitar thing back in the day one was spoons and ironically one was paul reynolds and flock of seagulls because i just thought yeah. that paul's guitar parts just perfectly fit into what mike score was yeah. doing on the keyboards i remember it being such a big deal when depeche mode started playing guitars on things like never let me down again it was like wow yeah. depeche mode are using guitars i'm like yeah. spoon's been doing no, that for Paul, years you know, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's, been, there's been some i've seen some articles lately about the importance of you know the two like game changers in the 80s were the edge and paul reynolds so people think paul reynolds like mm -hmm. this quirky little because of his use of delay and chorus you know and yeah. they were really the, the the guys who got that and and some people argue that the edge hurt some of the, his stylings and that they actually picked up a little bit of that stuff and you listen to some of the stuff that he did later on you know edge is obviously a way better guitar player but that's just thinking you know mm -hmm. and it came out of not knowing much you know my score was a hairdresser you know and, and bands used to come into his shop and he hear their demos and goes i can do that yeah he wasn't even a keyboard player he was a bass player yeah but again my keyboard so i don't have to play one no one finger i can get away with that you know yeah but because of you know i think as, as a writer it's almost especially after writing years and years and years, there's something about not knowing anything. You know, it'd be amazing to have a switch and just shut up everything you know, because there's yeah. that, oh, that's, that, that, there's magic into that. You that know, that and the power of youth. Freedom in not knowing something. Yeah. Limitations. Yeah. Yeah. That's Limitations. why I will write songs on instruments I don't know. Yeah. Like, take, take no art. I'm not a keyboard player, but I just kind of went, rah, rah, rah. simple yeah. little, and Rob said, that is so stupid and simple, I wouldn't have thought of it. So, okay, we'll keep that. Yeah. yeah. And I've written songs on bass guitar. You know, bass is not far from, from guitar, but it's different thinking and I'll play chords. So I just play the whole song with a single note and then I'll fill in the chords later on. You know? mm -hmm. And so you can get around it. 
Nice, um, Derek. Yeah, and so, you know, uh, and, and then and then to to uh, to finish off the uh, the guitar uh, point here, it's like when I was coming up, when I was cutting my teeth. You know, you guys are front and center. All you know, like your your music. You know, it's on uh, Much Music or Toronto Rocks or whatever it was. Yeah. And I'm ingesting all this stuff. So all of these things that you did are now part of my DNA, wow. and have you know, kind of transcended into what I do now. So when I'm sitting here, you know, in the studio, and I'm you know working on a part, without knowing it, like I'm not going. It's like, hey, it's it's Gord. But now that we're talking about it. It's, Your, it's it's, <laughs> oh, it's literally it's cool. literally coming out yeah you know because I, I like i remember uh god what was uh i forget what song but i saw you know there was some guitar in that and i was down at steve's like oh that's the one that gordon depp plays <laughs> you know i'm sitting there for like an hour just going it's like oh i can't afford this but i really want it yeah, yeah. but to to that i also want to state that if you look back at the course of I don't even know what you want to call it, like rock music, pop music, new wave, whatever it is. Those things that you guys compose, and especially in the guitar, like transcended and really shaped the future of what came after, you know, you guys, like when you, when you first came out and as you continue to like, you know, develop and create new music, if, if you sit there and look at, at the trajectory arguably you guys changed like the tonality the the composition uh yeah. everything of everything that came after i didn't expect this i thought this one of those shows would be harassing me the whole time <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no, no i'll do that I'll we're fans dude i will totally guys, do that but, like next, no, but, the next part of my question but I, I i have to i have to listen 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 okay I have to say it. it it's it, you. You can literally chart it out. So yeah, well, again, well, I so believe that. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not going to you know believe everything you tell me, but I, I appreciate it. But I, uh, that, but I, I mean, I do believe Arias. The Arias record, hundred percent. It made it, and man, I, I if you go on on um, our Facebook page now, Rob Cruz found, found this article recently about a. a some music critic writer from the states and he, he i've never seen such an in-depth review of of the Aria symphonies have you seen it if you go to no, no i'm Facebook, sorry you'll see this it just came up he's called the music monk or something from the states somewhere i don't know he's supposed to be respected or something and it's incredible how what he says he's, he, he starts by saying it's, it's one of his favorite um uh, 80s records or something from north america and by the end it's probably his favorite canadian album of all time because mm -hmm. I don't understand, but but yeah. but he he understands what we were trying to do, right? To us, it was like we were trying so hard to not be like all the stuff that was on the radio. Like we were real mm -hmm. kind of snobs, maybe because of the prog rock thing. But I didn't want to be. I wanted to be different so badly that we kind of sabotaged ourselves. I think sometimes because we we were too clever and too quirky sometimes that we could have maybe gotten a bit more airplanes. So instead of saying, you know, calling a song Aries and Symphonies, we called it. You know, bourbon and beers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were kind of, you know, we were, we were trying so hard to be ourselves. You know, that was like a brick in the wall. Our symphonies was about the individual in the crowd and and going to school and be told what to do and push down and and it was like this is not a, a sophomore record by a bunch of kids out of high school. Like, what what are they thinking? You know, we should have been singing about you know partying and girls and 
Well, we did three indirectly, you know, and we were clever and there's some songs in there which are romantically, you know, but we did them in a weird way. Even romantic traffic, I couldn't just write a normal love song. It was done, done in the context of being stuck in traffic and bumping into each other and passing each other and, you know. To that point, lyrically, you guys have been like incredible storytellers. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just like just pop, you know, bullshit. Like yeah. you paint a picture. Yeah. And again, like, I, thank you because well, it, it, well, that it, came out it, necessity it a lot because, of people. Yeah, that, that came out of necessity because we were signed with, we got signed to this big label, a very Canadian label first. But then we got signed to a and Records in you know, Los Angeles because Sting saw us. And we were signed by, I think his name was David Andley. And the same guy signed the doors. Like, it was crazy. He came up to, to Toronto to see us. And all, I remember them, we were on, on tour. I think it might have been the Culture Club tour. And they come coming out. We were playing Los Angeles. And um, the, the, the big wig from the A&M there said, oh, you guys are so good. You know, after, the, after it was the end of the tour, we, we had an amazing tour. But of course, he says one thing to get me all bummed out. Said, you guys are amazing. We love your music. Like, can you write something to, that we can play on the radio? <laughs> 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 and that's, that's like, yeah. So after the Aries record, which got playing, like I said, in K-Rock and, and New York and, and, and L.A., but Middle America was still a little bit behind, you know, they didn't understand things quite yet. So that's why I sat down, tried really hard to write something like Dramatic Traffic, which in, in my mind was very poppy. Let's still try to be, do it in a clever way. Brilliant. Very cool. Derek. Yes, sir. It's my turn. It's my turn. Can we get another show to talk about guitars? I like, I like talking gear. Oh, we, can, oh. we can totally do that. All of us uh, can we'll do it. We're, we'll we'll we're all musicians here, it. actually. We're all musicians here, so we could do yeah, that well, for I, a I, whole I, I, other I, I, show. You're, you're a drummer. Shush. Yeah, I've done full circle where I when I tour with Flock and Seagulls, I've got it all down to a travel little rig thing, which mm -hmm. is fit like this bag will fit into my carry-on bag. I leave a guitar down there. He's all Firebirds with them, so I leave some down there. And so, so all I need is one little thing. That's, that's my life. This one little box. But recently, I've gotten so back into my old pedals. I've actually re recreated my old Boss pedal collection from the '80s. I still have the old ones. Mm -hmm. I just going back to that. It's like magic, you know. When you yeah. use them properly, it's like. Uh, quick question. Quick question. Like, what was the rig back then? Was it like a JC one twenty? Yeah, before. Yeah, before. Um, I think it was Martha the Muffins, and then seeing um, uh, Flock Seagulls with the JC one twenty. I had to get one, right? Yeah, before yeah. that, I used mainly um, a Fender Super. I think was that the one with the four tens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had one of those, and then I had a Marshall JCM, like a half stack fifty watt, you know, no master volume thing. But when the eighties came around, <laughs> you had to have a JC one twenty. Yeah, yeah. And I went. I, that's what I'm using now again with spoons and the Flock. Yep. And people are amazed really? how I make it sound good. The reason you make it sound good, you don't use the chorus on it. Right. The fins are right up. The fins that you, put, you use it as a, a pedal platform, and it yes. makes all your pedals sound amazing. And I remember the first time I brought it out, it's saying, went, I can hear you again. Because I have all these you know, beautiful old tube amps, which are beautiful, but they kind of they're very sort of saturated. Yeah, so anyways, for our, what we do, it's it's great. Yes, it's, yeah, but, and just boss pedals. I had a little... I had the original um, OD one. Okay, I still have it. Well, yeah. the first year of manufacturers. The overdrive pedal, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the little red um, delay, the DM, whatever. I still have that too. And and the that compressor, red, the, the, the little red delay, yeah. the the red yeah. digital delay, or the yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, this you know, I got the year. 
Oh, no, the first one, the analog. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, wow. Look at that. With the wounds. Oh, that's fantastic. This is the granddaddy of them all. That's the OD1. These are crazy on reverb now. But it doesn't have a tone control, so I don't struggle with it. But anyways, yeah, and I used the... Back then, I did use the JC120 chorus. I didn't have one, but now I just have the two... The original chorus. Yeah, yeah, with the two knobs on it. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Basic and again, stuff, really simple. And, you know? and again, Gordon, right? So, you know, not to like fanboy out, but, you know, also the the, the, the production style. So like mm -hmm. the sounds of the guitars and, the, you know, the sense of whatever, but like yeah. specifically the guitars is, you know, like what I noticed. It, it's, yeah, you guys, you set the trend, you know, and then everything that came after was a carbon copy copy but you guys actually wow, you know thank you. set the precedent for it it's kind of funny something you, you might be right what you're saying that we kind of set a sort of change shifted about but, but we didn't capitalize on it like we could have we start we, we always tried to be a little different a little bit off center and then the other kind of people kind of zip by us like the platinum blondes and and glass tiger at the beginning those are both bands open for us some gigs but they just wrote those, they got Jim Valance to co-write with, you know, they wrote those big right. monster yeah. mainstream songs. And at the time I was going, oh, I can't do that. And I'm going, why didn't I do that? You know? <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was just, yeah. it was just a stubborn thing. It's not, it's not any more difficult to write, you know, don't forget me when I'm gone, than the story of Irish symphonies. It has a lot less chords in it, but yeah. I, was, I was just trying to be, you know, clever to fault, you know, it was like, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're playing to thousands of people like consistently that are going like, do, 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 yeah. do, 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 do. And like at every show, everybody yeah. in the clubs back in the day would do, do, do. Like we would, we would pull the, the volume down and Martin would stick That's the microphone funny. out yeah. and the crowd would go over the yeah. edge when, when we would play romantic yeah. traffic. That's yeah. great. That's great. Classic. Derek. Go. Oh, it's me again. I'm back. <laughs> Sorry, we started guys. talking about gear, buddy. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yeah. This is, but this is Gordon. This is honestly, this is us. We go on tangents. It's been an hour. Oh, well, I, like I, it. I love it. Yeah, we played one song in an hour. Yeah, this is fantastic. <laughs> okay. Um. So I, re I know, I know that uh, back in 2020, you did a benefit concert for Aldershot to uh to pay for the renos of the auditorium i just wanted to click on that i also wanted to say that um uh, uh something that craig forgot was romantic traffic was on the first episode that much music ever aired yeah hmm. yeah and that, yeah well, it was i mean nova heart came out before and it, it was played on some of the other shows you mentioned like the new music yep. you know with uh Jeannie city, Becker city and, limits uh, and all those yeah. roberts and, city yeah. limits yep yeah, yeah, they played that. But yeah, the very first episode. Now somebody just recently said, "You have it wrong." It was actually telling all lies because those two videos came out within months of each other. So yeah. I was either in my topic or telling all lies. Yeah, that was. I remember it was the very first episode of Much Music. I said, "You know what? Much Music. We have videos by Duran Duran, Howard Jones, and the Spoons." And that was the beginning. Was, was Nash Slash in Tell it. No Lies? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Was, everybody was on that. We had all our friends and like, um, uh, what's his name? Lateral Jive is in there. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete and Geats are in there. Yeah, remember that? Of They're course. The customs agents at the end. Yeah. Um, coming back to Toronto Airport. 
<laughs> the lie detector at the airport. Yeah. Who does it was that? a lie detector. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those stupid videos. Comments, comment, place, comment, comment, place. Yeah, we just threw it in. We, we had so much fun with, you know, we had an airport, like a South American airport. We had llamas there in Boca Street. <laughs> it was like a Cecil beat the mill in, in production. It was stupid. Fantastic. But we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. But that uh, so that benefit concert that you did, who else? Who who else played with that? Played on that? Uh, played on that bill with you guys? Which one was which benefit was that one? The 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 for Aldershot when you when you guys uh, did the. I don't, the, I, the I don't know. That was like who I don't can't remember. I think Tom Barlow. You know him. He's a yeah. smaller band from like the, the guy I know from Four Credit. But the interesting thing is, when I was telling you the story about playing our high school with Jim Carrey. And that was the same stage that we cut our teeth on. That we used to be scared, you know, like so nervous to get up there, and, you know, because we had a lot, you know, like every kid, let alone get in front of a classroom and talk. But imagine having to get sing in front of your peers. And, and I was a pretty shy kid. And I tell you, when we got up on that stage, how many years ago that was? Ten years ago, or um, I got that same kind of stage fright there. Did you <laughs> the older? Really? High school, I was like, oh my God, this place, you know, not again. <laughs> it probably made you pretty emotional too, I would think, right? Like, yeah, a little bit. Again, and that for there, you is there was coming one full teacher. circle. Yeah, there was one teacher that was there. A lot of them had passed away, and that um, it was um, my science teacher who was there for the show. And that was really gratifying. And um, the, the principal who had his band from playing our first show was at our high school there, all the shot. <laughs> Last year, it was the final dance, and the place was trash. You know, the kids went crazy. And he had his band from playing at any of the high schools. That he, um, he wasn't there, so I didn't have to meet him. <laughs> I was trying to meet him. <laughs> and but didn't you, you, heard, be you begged him to play that first show, didn't you? You guys, you guys went like you guys, you guys went like hard, and you were like, "It'll be great. Everybody will be so well yeah. behaved." And then he fucking demoed it. Yeah, it wasn't us. <laughs> it wasn't us. It was not but you know Perfect. what? It sure helped our careers, though, because right away it was like, "Hey, who's this?" Oh yeah, you've got troublemaker right there. Who's this band? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we got we got our own Sex Pistols right here in Burlington. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we is don't it? have to Less, fight England. It's it, fine. That's right. Lesser free trade. I think it was called. Yeah, nice. Oh, that's awesome, uh, Gordon. We does anybody have any questions before we we go? Because like, I'm you know, sure Brian could talk for days. Yeah, so could I. <laughs> okay. let's do part two just about guitars how's that good yeah, oh, yeah. Totally. honestly we're, we're calling i think you back I, that's i think that's a great back. idea i think we'll do the six month check-in and uh <laughs> and see if we can just talk uh talk gear the whole time no problem <laughs> we can see it yeah there, <laughs> there it is if our viewers have an issue with this they'll tell us in the chat room yeah, and, that's and right. We'll do, yeah, we'll kill. We'll kill yeah, speaking of which, actually, it's nice. Uh, the chat's been uh, lit here tonight. Uh, yes, we've been chatting away, so this is great. Um, do the kid, do the kids still say lit? I don't think so. Lit? I don't think that's okay. what they say. I think they're probably looking at me right now, going, "What in the hell is this old guy saying?" So, uh, yeah. Gordon, we like we seriously can't thank you enough, my friend. This has just that's been, been fun. Thank you. Honestly, this has just been amazing. Um, you know, we're we're so lucky to be able to talk to people like you that that you know like again like brian was saying earlier you know fanboying out and and what have you but honestly my friend like you're just your career has been absolutely you know stellar Legendary. like that's that's was, uh, that's I, all i, I can I say joking, but i wasn't joking before you, you guys were very gracious and uh you said some nice things that made, made me smile so i appreciate that I really whenever i see a bunch of guys you know in the chat room like this i expect like to it's gonna yeah. be like a, a, yeah. a you know a prank or they're gonna 
yeah. start off by saying they're fans, and by the end, they, they you know, it's, it's a big yeah. you know, dress. Oh, no. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> what kind of hoodie we, is Gordon we wearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, hair boy, what hair product? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but before we let you go, I got to tell you, my friend, you do not age. You don't. Oh, like I'm telling you, you, you really don't. Hair. Like seriously, bad, you hair. do not yeah, age. It's Pretty it's good. unbelievable. Oh, yeah, I'm aged. Uh, believe me. They say my mind is still very immature. That's the, yeah, the that's still 26. Right? That's the best part up, about it. Still 26. Still 26. That's yeah, right. that. always tw- forever 26. I think that's that should be a T-shirt for musicians and DJs. Forever 26. Yeah. Um, again, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us tonight, my friend. We we really appreciate it. Thanks for everything. Can I mention the show coming up or no? Uh, please, absolutely. Yeah, up? let please us know. Let us know what uh, what you've got going I mean, there's, on. There's, I can't announce too much. Yeah, because it's some is conflicting. But talking about all these bands, I'm going to be doing a show with Flock of Seagulls and the Spoons and Men Without Hats on June the 15th at the Sound of Music Festival, Burlington. Nice. Tick, oh, yeah. When do tickets are tickets on sale yet? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, they charge now. It's free. I don't know. These no, free. Sound of Music's free, man. Is it really? I think so. I'm I going. think we should all I'm be. Down oh, there. I'm going. We're I'm all going. We're all going to Google it right now. Yeah, absolutely. June the 15th, right? Yeah. Excellent. That's just right around All my right. wife's birthday. So that's fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, again, Gordon, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, this is one of Brian's picks. Um, so, Brian, why don't you take it away? Your uh, your spoons pick. Oh, okay. So, uh, 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 1988 Vertigo Tango. Uh, like recapping some of the things that I was saying about, uh, you know, your impeccable guitar playing. Uh, well, t- uh, let's just, just let's just hit it. Um, this is Spoons When Time Turns Around. Thanks again, Gordon. We really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for your oh, time. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, awesome. guys. Gordon Depp of Spoons. Revolution Radio. That's right. Canadian AF. Canadian as fuck. Episode, uh, episode 41. Revolution Radio. Thanks, bro. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you.
We just interviewed Gord Depp. <laughs> Holy shit. Sorry, I'm running seven different things at the same time. I I like, holy shit, man. Like, that's, you know, kind of a big deal and all. Once again, special thanks to our, our new bestie, yeah. Gord Depp. Holy shit, man. That was that was freaking fun. Right? What a cool dude. What a proper dude. What a bunch of tangents. Holy cow. Honestly, that was fantastic. Like, we just went off. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.